Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what He has to say to you today. Enjoy. So tonight we're into week two of the book of James, and I want to begin by talking a little bit about pressure. And oftentimes, at one point in time in our lives or another, you and I experience pressure, and most of the pressure that you and I experience comes on a horizontal level. So what I mean by that is most of the pressures that happen in your life don't happen between you and God. It's the relationships that you have day to day. It's the kids, it's the job, it's the relationships, it's the friendships, it's the enemies, it's the, all the things, all the pressures and expectations that we have, it comes on a horizontal level. It comes on this level here. And at varying times in our lives, we have sometimes low pressure, sometimes high pressure, but one way or the other, we experience pressure in this life. And it's sometimes really tricky and challenging to deal with pressure and expectations. And often, it's really hard to discern and think about what is God up to in the midst of all this pressure and expectation I'm getting on this level. Because we can become so clouded by the pressure, we lose the ability to listen and hear, God, what are you doing in the midst of this circumstance? God, what are you up to? It's really hard to take that step back. Here's what, here's what three spiritual giants said about this reality. About I talked, you know, when he's kicked off the service, I talked how awesome it is to be the church. And being the church is an amazing gift that Jesus has given to us. And we have one another. And there's this amazing thing that God does by the Holy Spirit to bring unity and for us to bless one another and support one another. And there's so many, for a lot of people that, Put down that there's a lot of amazing things that Jesus does through the church. Amen? And, you know, there's a reality that we are the church and we live in the world that we live in. And we're called to be distinct and different by times. Um, One of the spiritual giants talks about um, the church being like the city of God. Augustine said that, We live as a church in a world that is disordered by man. We're not better than the world, but we have something, and we're called to live distinct and different and be on earth a living example of what's actually happening in heaven. That's kind of what we're called to do as a church. C.S. Lewis, the famous author who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia and Mere Christianity, said in Mere Christianity, this is what he said, you can disagree with it if you want to, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ and to make them little Christ. You know, in the word, in in the book of Acts, the term Christian was first used in the book of Acts, and the term Christian means little Christ. Little Christ. To make them little Christ, he says. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, the clergy, the missions, the sermon, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. So C.S. Lewis says, It's like the point of the church is to bring people into relationship with Jesus, one, two, and to see their lives transformed to look like Christ. That's it. That's why we're here. Scott McKnight, a more recent author, said this and scholar. He said, the church is called to live a Jesus life in a Jesus-less culture. 
We're called to live a Jesus life in a Jesus-less culture. We live and are part of a kingdom that is not of this world. Did you know that? When Jesus had this encounter with Pilate, Pilate was questioning him about him being a king. And Jesus' response was, my kingdom is what? Not of this world. If you've accepted Christ into your life, and you've chose to yield up the loyalty of your lifestyle to Jesus, you are part of the kingdom of God, and you are part of a kingdom that is not of this world. And Jesus said to his disciples, to be in the world, but not of the world. To be in the world and not of the world. And James gives us some really specific instructions in his letter to the church in Jerusalem and the dispersion of Jewish people spread abroad. He gives them specific instructions with how they ought to let their light shine, how they ought to live distinctly different. And this is what it says in James chapter 1, starting at verse 19. This is what it says. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So the scripture says, let every person. So James was writing this letter and he says, let every person. So every single person that would have heard this letter from James, James was saying, this applies to you. Every bit of what I'm about to say to you, just as James speaking, says every bit of what I'm about to say to you, this all applies to you. And in a similar manner, because this is the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by James to us here today, this applies to all of us. And so we all are called to live in this way that James prescribes for us. And he gives us a lot of specific things. There's a lot of like one-liners in this passage of scripture. But there's a way to kind of sum this section of Scripture up as we look at all the parts kind of held together. There's three things kind of I want to hit on here tonight as we look at this passage of Scripture. The first one is Jesus' people respond instead of react. Jesus' people respond instead of react. Culture pulls us to want to react to everything. Y'all have a phone. Most of you have a, how many have a phone in their pocket right now? Okay. All right. Not as many as I thought. All right. 
Like, good on you. I have a phone in my pocket. And it's crazy because, like, we're wired to have to react so quickly all the time. We're just always having to be on, always having to be on. And we have, like, not only does life just have seasons where pressure's higher or lower, but we have these devices and different things around us that continues to build pressure on us to make quicker reactions, quicker reactions, quicker reactions. Like in Tim Hortons and McDonald's, they have window times. Get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. And James knows his people are in great trials and they need a guiding word. Because the thicker the trials and the pressure, the more likely that our mouth actually gets loose and words start to fly out. You ever speak a word out and right back afterwards, you're like, come back. <laughs> come back. That's what happens when the... It's interesting because when you turn the pressure up in our lives, whatever is in here comes out. Now, we often see that as a bad thing, but there's ways in which we can actually have good stuff come out of here when we're under pressure. And so we're called to respond and not just react. And responding, the good stuff that we can get when we're under pressure, we have to like put these rhythms into practice, this idea of being slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. When we do that, it puts our hearts in a position to receive grace from God to be able to respond instead of react. When we slow down, when we listen, when we ponder, when we humble ourselves, the Lord gives us a grace, an ability to respond instead of react. And this gets harder and harder the more opposition that you face. But in those instances, responding is needed all the more instead of reacting. If you're around a lot of reactive people all the time, it gets everyone in a tizzy. But that one person that can pause and measure their words and pray silently before they respond, it's amazing how one word can be so disarming and peace settling. The greater the pressure, the slower we should be to speak or react because your judgment will be clouded and tilted as you get more and more amped up. So real practically, if you're a reactive, impulsive person, which I tend to lean that way by times, if I'm being honest, one of the things that we have to do is slow ourselves down. And so I want to get really practical. I want you all to do an exercise for me this week, and some of you might not like it. I don't like this exercise because it makes me slow down, but it's really helpful. If you read Psalm 37, there's a verse that says, be still and wait patiently for the Lord to act. If you feel like you're sitting on something and you don't want to be reactive or someone sends you a bad text or there's something that's frustrating you and you know you need to settle yourself down before you say something you shouldn't and you need to kind of like get in a spot with the Lord where he can minister grace to you, take this verse and do this with it. Be still and wait patiently for the Lord to act. Say that out loud, and then wait. Then say, be still, 
and wait patiently for the Lord. Then say, be still. You see where I'm going with this? Be still and wait patiently. Be still. Be. I don't know about you, but when I have to do that, it about kills me. But it doesn't because it actually slows me down enough to humble myself before the Lord and saying, God, I want to wait patiently for you. Would you give me grace in this moment? So if you're, I just encourage you, take that, take that psalm and use that as a practice. The other thing I'd say about us kind of reacting, you know, learning to respond instead of react is, is because of culture and lots of stuff going on in our world, we have this low-grade irritation. We're not, maybe we're not angry all the time like the Hulk, but a lot of us just have this under low burning, we're just irritable, like all the time. And it's because things are so noisy. There's so many different opinions. There's so many different ideas out there. There's so many, so much, so many different posts on social media, so much information to process. And we just get edgy because we're just processing so many things and we're literally depleting our precious resources. And so one of the things that I have done on my phone is delete a Facebook. I still get it on my iPad for work-related reasons, but I've deleted Facebook from my phone. And I encourage people every once in a while, if you find yourself just constantly being a little bit edgy, delete Facebook for a little bit. Don't worry, life will go on. But seriously, delete social media for a little bit. Turn off the news for a week. I'm serious, like, just for a week. Don't worry, the news will come back, trust me. But like, if you find yourself spiritually being edgy, just take a break from stuff. Here's a really, really big one that I did once because last year, I'll tell you this quick story. Last year, my staff, when I went on vacation in August, told me, leave your phone here, and I didn't want to. And I did. And I can't even begin to tell you <laughs> what that did to my soul, how restful and recharging it was to not have this constant need. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Do the be still and wait patiently for him to act. That's number one assignment this week. Y'all writing down notes, right? You got this? The second thing I want you to do this week is leave your phone at home and go away for a walk, for a drive, for a half day. If you go camping this summer, leave your phone at home. Make sure someone has a phone in case there's an emergency contact. Now, like, like let's be realistic here. But seriously, Leave your phone somewhere where you're not going to have it. Just get off it. And watch how much peace and grace, watch the increased measure of peace and grace you have in your life. The third thing about this is immediate reaction times are killing us. When we react instead of respond, it has a devastating effect on our relationships. The words we say that we, oh, why did I say that, Lord? Forgive me. Sometimes it can burn a bridge in a relationship. Or oftentimes when we react instead of respond, like misunderstandings and mistakes get blown out of proportion. And we live in such an angry culture today. We live in this outrage cancel culture where 
It's the era of screenshots and freakouts. And I was reading in James here at the end of chapter 1, and the thing that stood out to me this week as I was reading this is that the Bible actually says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I'll say it one more time. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the right thing. And the anger of man is a feeble attempt that never produces what we want. It's never satisfied the anger of man. It's no wonder people are just always angry about stuff. It's, it never produces the resolution that you and I desire for the injustices that happen in the world. I'm not saying those things are right, but the anger of man doesn't produce the right thing, doesn't produce true resolution. And so James is actually calling us to be different. He's calling us to not react, but to respond. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with this one, if I can be vulnerable and honest. And I think there's a lot of people in this room that would struggle with this. Um, if you don't struggle with this, you can take my three kids for an hour drive. Because <laughs> I tell you, I went to Yarmouth this morning, and I knew what I was preaching on tonight, and I'm like, Lord, really? Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to anger. Hmm. I, th I think the Lord's really got to work on me this week, guys, for that, if I can be honest. But seriously, like, we all struggle with this responding bit. And part of it is we just don't slow ourselves down enough to receive from Jesus. And that's what we need to do. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit actually gives us the power, even when we don't feel like it at times, to give us what we need. Either it's caring for irritable kids, or it's responding to someone that we're having a difficult time with. The Holy Spirit gives us the grace to kind of do that. And, and the Bible doesn't say, be, like, don't say nothing. It says to be quiet. It says to slow down. Slow down and, and listen. And God gives us that grace to be able to respond in a way that that he wants us to respond. Instead of, so instead of cursing someone from our heart, even though we might be saying nice things, but there's, there's, there's a hint of like, I want to get that person, or there's something intended to, some, to want to hurt that person. Instead of that bitterness in our spirit, there's a grace that's there, and we truly bless from our heart instead of curse. So respond instead of react. That's what James was wanting for his people. He wanted to shade a people that would respond instead of react. The second thing, Jesus' people pursue whole faith. Jesus' people pursue whole faith. I'll tell you what I mean by that. In this passage of Scripture, and I love it, James uses all different parts of the anatomy. This is, what, this is some of the things in the verses. Just check this out. Ears should be open. Be quick to listen. Mouth can move slowly. Be slow to speak. Bridle the tongue. Okay, so we got ears, tongue, Mouth, emotions should be in check. Anger. Put away wicked behavior. Soul is saved. Eyes that look into the law of liberty. Feet that go visit orphans and widows. You see, Jesus saves our whole being. He doesn't just come into our heart. Paul instructed that our whole bodies be given as members of righteousness. Our whole, like I talked about in Romans 12:1. Worship is actually offering our whole bodies to God as a living sacrifice. We're not just called to give Jesus our heart or our mind 
We're called Jesus to give our whole beings to him. Uh, one of the things that I've heard different times, and it grieves me every time I hear this, and if you've ever been hurt by the church, I just want to say, I'm sorry. We're not perfect people by any stretch, and sometimes we do miss the mark. And so if you've ever been hurt by the church, as a pastor to you, I just want to say I'm sorry. And the second thing I want to say to you is that a lot of Christian, a lot of people are turned off, a lot of people that don't follow Jesus are turned off by Christians who say they're a Christian, but often you look at their lives and there's no fruit in their lives. They pray to receive Jesus in their heart, but their lifestyle is so different from what the scripture teaches. And for James, that was like, that just can't happen. It's one and the same. You invite Christ into your heart and he radically transforms your entire life. Now, we can be legalistic. There's room and space to grow and there's grace. And I'm not saying that. But for those of us that especially get to the spot where we're supposed to be mature in our faith, we should be able to look at our lives and there should be a measure of maturity. There should be a measure of like, I'm not perfect and I'm still very much dependent on Jesus for grace moment by moment. But there's a certain measure if, if you look at my life, my lifestyle actually reflects my master because of Jesus. And that's the kind of life that actually attracts people to Christ. They see that, oh, this is legit. There's something real about this person's life. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Every part of us is supposed to love God. Our whole, a whole faith, not just an individual thing, one moment we accept Jesus. How many of you all know, for those of you that know me, how many know I have a huge heart to see people that don't know Christ become Christians, right? Most of you would know that one of my big passions in life is to see people come to faith in Jesus. And the reason I want to see people come to faith in Jesus is because that begins the opportunity for God to radically transform someone's life. God loves you just the way you are, but too much to keep you that way. And when you invite Christ to come into your life, he starts this amazing transformative process in your life to make you the little, little Christians, that little Christ, to make you look like Jesus, to make disciples and to obey all that Jesus commanded, he said in his great commission. The call of Jesus is to make disciples, not just people that listen. And so, the command of Scripture and what James is calling his people and us to here today is let your life, your whole life, reflect one that follows Jesus, your whole life. And the third thing is Jesus' people know doing leads to blessing. Jesus' people know doing leads to blessing. I'm going to invite the worship team to come at this time. Last week I... I mentioned about all the math lovers in our church, and I was expecting like two people, and there was like 15 of y'all. were like, I like math. That's cool. We like simple equations, though. One plus two equals... <laughs> Lord, help us here. <laughs> Three. <laughs> but we like simple equations, right? Like, this plus this equals this. And 
Sometimes we can put God in a box a little bit here, but to be fair, in the Old Testament for the Jewish people, God made a covenant with them. And he promised them, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, in his covenant, if you do this, then these are the things I will bless you with. Now, it's easy to turn that into a prosperity gospel, and I'm not saying that. But in the Old Testament, there was a certain measure of, if you do this, then I will do this. I'll, I'll put my end of the covenant, I'll hold my end of the covenant with you. The problem was in the Old Testament, and for us that are here today sitting in this room, because of our sin inside of us, our sinful nature, we have an inability to fulfill the law, to hold our end of the bargain, and therefore miss out on the blessing of relationship with God. The Jewish people experience that time and time and time again. And then you fast forward to the time of Jesus. Jesus came to fulfill the requirements of the law for us. That's what Romans chapter 8 verse 4 says. Jesus fulfilled the law for us because you and I couldn't fulfill the law. So he fulfilled all the requirements for you and for me. And this is what I love. Check this out. Through Jesus now, you and I, through faith in Christ, through believing that Jesus died, he rose again from the dead, he ascended from the grave, he ascended to the right hand of God, and he sent the Holy Spirit on the church to live inside of every single one of you and I. If you believe in that gospel, the good news of Jesus, and have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you now have the ability to actually do this stuff. You have the ability and power from God to do the things that James said. So you're not just blessed by doing them and you get a certain byproduct, A plus B equals C. Sure, that still principle still applies. You still do get blessed for doing that thing. But you know what one of the greatest blessings is now? Is you now have the ability to do the thing. Are you tracking? Not only like... Old Testament folks, they didn't have the ability to do the thing or get the blessing. Now, through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability now to be slow to speak, to be quick to listen, and to be slow to anger, because before we accepted Jesus, we didn't have that. And so one of the greatest blessings we have now is we are blessed in the doing, not just by the doing. That's true, too. I get blessed when I'm slow to speak and quick to listen. There's benefits by living that way, wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree there's blessings to be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger? But maybe the greatest blessing, though, is this. I can actually do that. Not because of my righteousness or ability, but because of the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I can actually be slow to speak quick to listen, and slow to anger. For anyone that had anger problems before they came to know Jesus, you know that it felt like an impossibility for you to rein that in. But after you accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit gave you the fruit called self-control. And now you can do it. And so James gives all this instruction. Put away all wickedness before we couldn't do that. We're blessed in the doing be doers of the word before we couldn't do that. Now we can. 
There's freedom. Look in the mirror, the scripture says, and change. How many of y'all tried to change before Jesus? How'd that go? Right? But through Jesus, we can actually look in the mirror, see the stuff in our life that's got to change, and by the power of the Spirit, we can change. Amen? 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 We can actually bridle our tongue now. We can care for widows and orphans. And we can, in the name of Jesus, keep ourselves unstained from the world, which, man, oh, man, doesn't that seem like an impossibility? So you're not just blessed for doing that stuff. Yeah, that happens. We get blessed for doing those things. There's benefits of living that way. But I would argue probably the greatest blessing now is that through the gospel of Jesus, we can actually be blessed in the doing. The Bible says that he's given us his divine resources for everything we need to live a godly life. We're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to fall short. But man, oh man, the optimism that Jesus breathes into our lives, that we now actually, through Christ and his strength and his grace alone, we have the ability not to just be blessed by obedience, but to be We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.